Welcome, everybody, to Just in the Nick of Time uh, Thanksgiving special, and we are thankful that the universe will be giving the Nebraska Cornhuskers a head football coach sometime after the holiday of Thanksgiving. So that's why they pay him the any bucks at all, ladies and gentlemen. That was incredible. That was just seamless podcasting, man. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> this is a very interesting time in a Husker Nation because it's, it's that point of the coaching search where I say we have reached mass hysteria. And, uh, that is not a thing I get to be a part of very often. So I've been, uh, consuming the slop uh, as, as much as I can because when else am I going to get the opportunity to do this? To uh, constantly refresh Twitter with just one word in the search bar, hoping that something will pop up. This is insane. And I feel like I kind of have a decent idea of where our brains are headed in the football program's direction. But uh, I don't know how close anything is to actually happening yet. So mass hysteria. Gotta love it. Yeah, not having any idea what's going on is a really fun phenomenon. When speaking of people with no idea what's going on, uh, I would like to introduce our special guest this evening, Justin, if I might. Absolutely. Nikki Kreutzian, my girlfriend, who does not watch football unless it's with me, does not have sports takes, but is on this podcast because we needed to eat dinner and do the podcast at the same time. Hi. <laughs> Would you want to introduce yourself, Nikki? Yeah, what is the most relevant facts about me? I think you should tell us about Grinnell's football program. Um, so, yes, I go to a liberal arts school, 1,800 people. Uh, we very famously got a feature in the New York Times called The School That Gave Up on Football when nearly two-thirds of our football team was so injured that we had to forfeit over half of the games in our season my freshman year. It, I, From what I understand... Has not improved. Um, my inside source, parentheses, someone in my poli-sci class, once told me that he was really excited because he, quote, thought we might have a chance to not lose. So I think the important thing about having Nikki on this episode is that she was just hanging out. But the second most important thing about having Nikki on this episode is this is where Nebraska football is headed if we don't figure out our coaching problems. The parallels are immense. They're plentiful. Yeah, exactly. We're just like Grinnell if we don't get the next Tom Osborne signed by the end of this weekend. That's where we're headed, folks. I'm not I'm not spreading the hysteria, Justin. I'm being very level headed when I say we need a Tom Osborne or we're all gonna die. Hey, this is the week to do the hysteria because I don't know what we're going to do once we know the name. Like, I, I think we're going to either hype ourselves up for whoever it is or just the factions that have formed in the uh, three months of this coaching search will just continue and uh, everyone will still be just as angry once we know the name. I have no idea what's going to happen. And there even is even a worst case scenario, which is uh, we do this sort of all over again once we know the name, but with assistant coaches. I think that's the most likely outcome is that like a combination of the third and second take there, like the game of Thrones surrounding all of this continues. Um, But we also end up in a world where it's like every single decision that this person made is going to be criticized by half of the fan base and defended by half of the fan base in like equal constant measure all the while People will make, like, some inflammatory take that, like, if we don't change our offensive line coach, like, I'm going to pitch myself off the state capitol. And then the next tweet will be, like, everyone calm down and let the coach work. Like, do you remember when when the, when all of the Scott controversy happened? All, all of the same people who were telling us to calm down, not panic, and trust the process – we're the ones who were at the same time not trusting the process at all. I just like, dude, in these tumultuous times, I think we can expect three things, uh, death, taxes, and, uh, 
people being hypocrites on Husker Twitter. Side note, throwing yourself off the Capitol will be extremely inconvenient. That thing is not shaped for, like, a straight fall down. You're going to tumble and likely land on a ledge somewhere. Like, unless you're jumping from, like, the upper middle portion. And even then, you know, you're you're hitting stairs or something, most likely. And then it's awkward for the fourth graders trying to tour. Like... Yeah, yeah, that's... You don't want to be someone's first experience with that kind of stuff at the ripe old age of, what, 10? Yeah, I remember when Justin and I went to the state capitol. And I did we, like, throw a penny off or something? I think so. That sounds like something we would have done. Can you imagine if at the same time some bummed-out Husker fan was like, I can't stand, what was it at the time, Bo Pelini? So... Our advice, I think, as as all of us on this podcast, for this Thanksgiving, don't pitch yourself off the state capitol building. Just even getting out there would be an accomplishment. I don't even know how you'd how you'd escape from the from the top high. Because those bars are slim. Yeah, they are. And you, you need like bolt cutters. Which then you've got to sneak bolt cutters into the state capitol, which is probably a crime. I think oh, you could. They know. didn't stop and frisk us. Dude. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like we should test this. Like, <laughs> what kinds of gardening equipment can we bring into the state capitol? I did go to the Douglas County Courthouse, though, and they did, like, basically stop and frisk every guy. So, like, I don't know. They're belt they're belt They're belt Mmm. Yeah, at so, least yeah. you try to sneak in a belt. Those those jackasses with their belts, how dare they? How uh, where should we where should we start with these these suitors of Nebraska football's future? Yeah, uh, I think I will go from the names with the. Wait, should we do bottom to top or top to bottom? I think top to bottom. Okay, so I will start off with the names that as of 6.06 p.m. on November 23rd, 2022, have the most buzz behind them. This changes day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, but we're starting to get some worded language that suggests something might be happening soon with some of these people. So... The most recent name and article and language and what have you has been with Matt Rule, the number one on my list since the beginning. The ex-coach of the Carolina Panthers who was fired this year for just not being a good NFL coach. But previously, he coached at Temple University and guided them to back-to-back 10-win seasons, which had not been done ever in that program's history. And then he went to Baylor who was suffering from a whole heap of NCAA violations because of Art Bryles being the devil. Uh, and he took them from one win in his first year to 10 wins in his third year, runner-up in the Big 12. And then after doing separate three-year turnarounds to double-digit wins, he decided to have his luck in the NFL, didn't uh, do well, got fired, and now... Steve Sipple of Husker Online has said Matt Rule appears to be in prime position to become Nebraska's next head football coach. This was just two weeks after talks reportedly stalled and some national reporters were saying that Rule would likely choose to go on television next year and wait out his choice of jobs. Just yesterday, Matt Rule went on television on the NFL Network and lamented that he is not coaching and just basically talked about how much he wants to be coaching. So this seems like perfect timing. Matt Rule expresses an open desire to get back into coaching, and we have appears to be in prime position, which is, in my view of things, the most a Nebraska media person has given a potential candidate in terms of a language. So far. So if you had to bet the farm at this exact moment, Matt Rule looks like the type of person you'd make that wager on. But I think the only remaining question has been, does Matt Rule want the job? 
Well, if he's in serious discussions, that means one of two things. One, he actually does want this job, and uh, him and Alberts are just smoothing over whatever they need to before the announcement. Or two, he's trying to drive the price up for Auburn. He has not really been in connection with Auburn as much as Nebraska. He's kind of a fringe name for Auburn at most. But if he knows something we don't about him and Auburn, who's the one job I would say is of equal stature with Nebraska right now, unless you think Colorado or Georgia Tech are in that category, maybe it's just Husker hubris, but I personally don't, more so of money than anything else. But uh, if he, <laughs> that's the only other thing I could think of where I trust that he is in serious talks. I don't think that's made up. But the end game of those serious talks, it's either he coaches us or he just wants more money from somewhere else. So this is a name we might get to later. But Lane Kiffin has mm-hmm. had the most smoke on the Auburn front. Do we think that he plays into the Matt Rule situation for us at all? Only as so far as the legitimacy of him taking the Auburn job would, would just seal off that roadblock. Uh, but Lane Kiffin's weird, man. He's he's very weird. Uh, <laughs> he's also, I believe, Nebraskan, correct? He was born in Lincoln. He is the son of a former Husker assistant coach. So he doesn't have no ties to the Nebraska area. It would not be unheard of for him to jump from Power 5 school to another Power 5 school, which is why he's linked with Ole Miss to Auburn. He just kind of does what he wants always. And uh, an Auburn reporter reported that he was leaving Ole Miss for Auburn, and uh, Lane Kiffin denied that and then proceeded to dunk on the guy on Twitter. But then again, it's Lane Kiffin. This was always what he was going to do. This does That's not... <laughs> Including the devil emoji and the chair emoji and the cancel emoji. It, yeah. Lane is gonna lane, man. Yeah. I, I consider myself to be, uh, in tune with Zoomer lingo. I have no earthly idea what those, that series of emojis is supposed no. to convey. Th- that's I, I somewhere between I- Boomer and Zoomer that only one man understands. Lane Kiffin is Gen X emoji game. <laughs> like I, I, I uh, text with a couple of Gen Xers a lot, and boy, oh boy, can I tell you, those people don't need a rhyme or reason to throw an emoji on that shit. Absolutely not. One time, one time, one of them was describing to me how something would be easy. They included the pie emoji. Easy as pie. Yeah, see, now when you say it out loud, that makes sense. But when they just send you a long list of directions and then say, it'll be easy, pie emoji, how does one, what, what's that? So that I think is where Lane Kiffin is coming from there. It's just his very specific age. Yeah, I think it's absolutely age. I think it's because, uh, they didn't always have this, but they acquired the ability to send uh, emojis in primitive form, in email and uh, text and instant messenger and whatnot, when they were, you know, still relatively young. So this was something that since they had the opportunity to do, they were going to use as much as possible. Well, it was still not weird of them to use that, and that just sort of never went away as emojis have evolved. They've sort of developed their own inward code meetings with these emojis, such as easy as pie and and stuff like that. But they don't have like a standardized code. There's no like, no. Just... Yeah, every Gen Xer has their own Morse code of emojis, and Lane Giffen is no different. <laughs> um, so the other question about Matt Rule has always been, other than does he want to come here, which I think seems more likely than ever. The other question always surrounding him has been, are his bona fides good enough to get the job done here? 
at the illustrious University of Nebraska Lincoln. I my take is absolutely, but do you have a different take there? Is there any room for legitimate argument as to whether or not Matt Rule can take a bunch of zeros with a shitty program and make them heroes? Considering that's what he basically just did at Baylor, I think the data point is there for him taking on a similar rebuild, albeit for very different reasons, and having success there. But here are my red flags, if you will, with Matt Rule. If you wanted to be concerned about his resume, here's where it is. One, uh, as soon as he got those programs up and running, he left for a promotional job elsewhere, moving from Group of Five to Power Five, Power Five to NFL. So we don't know if he can consistently sustain this success over long periods of time, go through an entire recruiting cycle and whatnot. Uh, two, he does not know the Big Ten. I believe he was like a linebackers coach at Penn State once upon a time, but it's been a while since he's been there. Three, no real experience with NIL, given he was in the NFL during the NIL portal era as that was taking its hold. And uh, for the Big 12 and the American Athletic Conference are not the Big Ten, he's going to run into a lot more ranked teams, which he has three wins total over in his coaching tenure. Granted, Whoa. His- That's brutal. His losses were a lot closer than what Bo Pelini was doing, but yeah, there's some nomenclature issues over teams that were ranked at the time versus teams that finished ranked, but from my last calculations, three ranked wins is all he's got. That's rough. That's not good enough long-term to keep the Husker fan base happy. But like... I don't think... Take a look around you in the Big Ten West this year. That's he, true. Like You would have had to beat one ranked team to go undefeated this entire year. Yep. I don't I don't think his uh record against ranked teams should be it's not nothing, but I don't think it's everything given that rankings are so volatile. Yeah, I think it's also worth saying that, like, for all of the reasons that Nebraska is not Baylor that are negative, there are some positives for Nebraska. Better, uh, it's, I think it is legitimately difficult to recruit to Baylor from certain parts of the country. I think that Nebraska suffers similar but different, like, meaningfully distinct recruiting challenges instead of being come to this very Baptist, very conservative, very weird little enclave of the country, instead come to this very blah, very boring, very weirdly obsessed with football enclave of the country. I think in a lot of cases that's going to be an easier sell. I think Nebraska being a historically good name, and I think that, like, from what I have read, recruiting classes at Baylor were one of the things that he struggled with, uh, like getting talent to Baylor. If you've got a guy who can develop talent and you can manage to keep Mickey Joseph, one of probably the five or ten best recruiters in the country, the other four or nine of which work at Alabama, like, you know, I I think that, like, you're in a pretty good spot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, People harp on his recruiting rankings, but take a look at the number of players he put in the NFL from Temple and Bayview. And... Uh, like you said, we can outsource that to assistants if need be. So I. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Scott's classes were good and he didn't do anything with them. We're still going to have some high profile recruits for the next coming years that rule only needs to keep. Malachi Coleman comes to mind as someone who it's just like, I don't think it was ever going to be that hard to keep him in town. I'm glad Mickey was able to get it done. And I don't think that this would spook him. I would be surprised if it does. I know he's close with Coach Joseph. I understand that if Coach Joseph left, he might follow Coach Joseph. But also you've got to ask yourself, where does Mickey go? And is that a school of the caliber that Malachi Coleman wants to go to? You know, like, I think that second part of the equation gets tricky. But we can talk about Mickey later. 
as I assume, he will be one of the names that comes up. He he is. Uh, so I, I think we've exhausted Matt Rule. I'd like to live, leave a little bit of meat on the bone should he be the actual hire for a reaction episode, but uh, we went pretty in-depth on him, so I don't know how much will be there. So yep. I think we should pick up the pace a bit more with these uh, secondary hires. If, I agree. If we are going by the most recent report of Steve Sippel, uh, he has said there is a number two on his list. This was somebody with not a lot of smoke until this week. He was always kind of in the back of my mind, but uh, never one I really expressed publicly. Uh, that is Dave Doran of NC State, formerly of Northern Illinois. He has been the leader of the Wolf Pack since 2013 and has only turned out two losing seasons in that span. His ceiling is about rather low, but I'd say he's around near what is the absolute peak of an of an NC State of what that program can do with three nine-win seasons, an eight-win season, and being ranked at some point in the AP poll for, I believe, the last, like, five of the last six years or something like that. The team opened this year ranked 13th and was looking to live up to that until their quarterback got hurt, and the, <laughs> they nearly dropped one to East Carolina. He tends to lose random games he shouldn't, but if you want consistent success, He'd be good. And according to Sean Callahan of that same Husker online, he wants the job. So I'd say this might be the worst case scenario of guy you know will say yes. Having decently consistent eight and nine win seasons at NC State, you could do a lot worse then. His conference record is under 500, but if you remove the first year he was at NC State where he went 0-8, he's above 500, so... Make make of all that what you will. There is smoke around Dave Doran out of nowhere. I mean, this seems like the kind of hire everyone would react incredibly negatively to. There's no flash in this hire. There's no proof he can get done what he needs to get done. It seems like he's a fallback. And it seems like he would be a better placeholder to move the team forward for a year or two or three. And then we would ask him and hire someone we were more serious about in the future. Is that a decent assessment? Yeah, I'd say a, a, a bit more than that from like my view of it. This is not sourced in what anybody's saying. It's just where I, what I think he would do. I think, uh, he's <laughs> there to like establish consistency and, uh, you know, maybe we're not aiming as high as <laughs> as we want to. And uh we hire this guy for the high floor and accept the low scaling that comes with it. Maybe we've forgotten just how good nine and three feels. And this guy gets back to it. I don't think that three years will look elsewhere type thing. I think we wait for him to get into a rhythm and then see where our heads are at then. If we want to pull the Polini thing again, yeah, maybe. I just think you got to account for everything in this fan base moving faster than it should. Yeah, I'd say that's fair, but you know, you know what? I'd say don't look a gift horse in the mouth if that happens again with this guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we agree. I just think that like. Nebraskans will mess it up. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I have seen very little clamoring for this guy. So. Yeah. The third name, uh, Sipple mentioned. Again, this is just the most recent report I have. So it's what I'm running with. Uh, Chris Kleiman of Kansas State. He did get an extension, but that was an auto extension triggered by incentives in his contract at Kansas State. He has gotten eight wins, I believe, two of the last three seasons, and has figured out what to do with Adrian Martinez that Nebraska never could. He's a Midwestern boy through and through, and hiring him would make K-State fans who are adamant about not leaving really mad, and they hate us far more than we hate them, so it would be really funny to ruin their day again. Just That'll just make them mad. And uh, he's a good coach. He's, he's got a pretty good high ceiling. He's still relatively new to the P5, but yeah. 
I, I dig this one more. I think that K-State was, has been really dynamic this year. Uh, obviously one of the better Big 12 teams. If we were having the kind of season that K-State has had with, I think you've got to see this team as similar talent-wise to what Scott was working with. And we've addressed and, like, discussed how we think better recruiting classes can work their way into Lincoln. I'm honestly way more excited about this potential hire than I was the last one. But also, coaches who just had a great season at a school in a very similar conference at a school... Well, like... I guess the other thing is K-State has always cared about football. NC State is a basketball school. I think coaches who are at basketball schools are much more, like, willing to leave to go to a football school. But K-State already being a football school, or at worst, a pan-athletics, we-care-about-them-all school, you know, that that seems less likely to me. Yeah, the hang-up with climate has always been interest with me. Uh I think he'd be great here. I just have heard not as much as you'd like as to he's eager to take this job. Because K-State, he's got a good thing going there. And uh we're not at the point where we can guarantee that a, a K-Stater would leave for Nebraska at the drop of a hat, if asked. And mm-hmm. plus he's under contract until 2027. That's going to be a pretty hefty buyout. And if we're spending that type of money, I think we're looking at Matt Rule or some others on the list before Chris Kleiman. But he, I think he'd be good here. But those are the hangups I have with them is that uh, the, re- the realism of this possibility is something that is lacking in ways I think Doran and Rule at, at this time are. I agree. Okay, we got to start rattling guys off. Who else you got? All right. Uh-huh. This was a name that has only recently picked up steam. I was the first person to put this out there in the universe that was not associated with the Brigham Young University football program. Bronco Mendenhall, ex-BYU coach. Bronco! 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 Let's ride. Let's ride! Ex-BYU coach. Ex-Virginia coach. He did pretty darn good at BYU. Helped revive that program after the first guy who got BYU up and running went and left. Then he went to Virginia. It was all right there. Had two pretty good seasons about the peak of what you can do at Virginia. And then fell down to around 500. But there are reasons for that that Virginia fans are more lenient to give him. Literally, my biggest reason for wanting this guy was that the fans of the programs he has left have mostly good things to say about him. And I think with a supportive fan base and administration, he would do really good here. But his name has been more in connection with the Colorado job recently. I think that makes a bit more sense for who he is and what he wants to do. And he's not a name that would excite this fan base at all. I have seen overwhelmingly negative reactions because they don't know what's good for them about his name being floated around here. But I have heard that his name is real. To what extent? No one knows, but he is a real name. Bronco Mendenhall, real name, real person. <laughs> Unbelievably a real name. Uh, mostly, this is this is mostly what I wanted Nikki on the podcast for. What do you think of the name Bronco Mendenhall, Nikki? So, see, I think my main my main problem with both Bronco Mendenhall and also Matt Cool is that they just lend themselves to the really awful, cringy T-shirts that we're gonna see for three to six years. Much like the, the frost jokes, warning. And also, the jokes won't be funny. No. And so, like, that's why I'm personally against those specific names because, like, I don't need to see the same like "Let's Ride Bronco Nation" shirt for like the next six to ten years, and I really don't need to see like Nebraska rules or something because that's just so like. Ugh. Yeah, our coach rules. Ugh. It's just so like, oh my gosh, we get it. Like you went to school for marketing and you were like, you got like a two four <laughs> GPA instead of a four zero GPA. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. It's just I can already see the uninspired like T shirts and like silly hashtags that are made by the Gen Xers, and I'm already annoyed. I agree. I agree. Uh, I I can already see the like Bronco cocktails that are gonna pop yeah. up around town. 
I was also worried about this with Lane Kiffin because I could absolutely see restaurants around town serving the like life in the fast lane burger. The lane train. Oh yeah, everybody on the lane train. (laughs) A dude named like David Martinez. It's a nice name. Yeah. Would you be fair? The last time we had a Martinez, uh, it didn't go well. And the time before that, we nicknamed him T Magic because people. (laughs) Yeah, but at least that's like genuinely cringy and not trying to be funny cringy. All right, Justin, you have two minutes and 23 seconds left. Pretend you're on Pardon the Interruption. All right. Here's here's the last name outside the program with some legitimate smoke. It is Luke Fickle of Cincinnati. People have said uh weirder things could happen than him coming here. I don't see it. He has done very well for himself at Cincinnati and is basically Ohio State's coach in waiting should Ryan Day want to go to the NFL. And Which also, he probably will. everything about Ryan Day tells you he wants to go to the NFL and make the big bucks on Sundays someday. Yep. I think, I think that that chain of ascendancy is already baked in. I just think he's a little too <laughs> fickle. Absolutely. This does not solve the name pun regimen. And, uh, no. while the fan base does universally love this guy as a potential candidate, there is sort of the uh, tendency of coaching hires to go with the opposite of your ex, where, like, we just hired a guy who went undefeated at a group of five school. Hiring a guy who went undefeated at a group of five school, despite being a completely different guy, is going to be an easy thing to lump together for some fans as an aura of this trust. Yes. One minute left. Is there anyone else you want to talk about? Uh, I think I'll save Mickey for round two and then just the – Four others who are not nothing but have somewhat funny names. Excellent. Okay, see you on the flip side of the podcast, buddy. So, <laughs> continuing the lightning round, we'll see how this sounds with editing. Uh, we have one of the best names of the bunch, a very alliterative, Lance Leipold of Kansas. I had this guy circled as a potential candidate after he won two games at Kansas because I saw what he was building for the future. And I thought at most in five years, they'd be bowl eligible. He did that in year two. I, he was very high on my candidates list only slipping because Kansas just signed him to a wampum extension that doesn't free him up to coach again until 2030 at the earliest. Unless Nebraska's got serious you money. And this is the only guy we want to spend it on. You know, I, I think we do have serious, um, I'm going to clean it up for the kiddos. Frick you money. Yeah. But, um, I don't think that we would spend frick you money on Lance Leipold. I think Lance Leipold was always a, oh, he'd be really interesting if we could get him for the right price and he was interested. Neither of those seem possible. And so I think Lance, Lance, the DC superhero Leipold, has been taken off of our list. So, Nikki, what do you think of the name Lance Leipold? You see, it's, it's better. You like, like that better? I like it better. Controversially, I think you have to actually think to make a pun. Like, it's not just handed to you, but also, it sounds fake. It sounds right? like the name of someone that was, like... Hatched. <laughs> and like, you know those people you meet who are like people in the most like cardboard sense? He doesn't feel like he would give me a hand. Like his handshakes would be so perfect, I would be perturbed. Yeah, yeah. Lance Leipold seems like the name you read of like a lector in your church. You know what I mean? Like, like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His name's in the bulletin because he's a lector. His name's Lance Leipold. Like, no, he's, because those are, those are people. Those are usually people. Like, he's the kind of, he's like the admissions counselor that you <gasps> meet at, like, the school that you're, like, visiting college. He would work at Colorado College. I absolutely agree. I think that joke may have cut out a little bit because Justin looked at us like we had fallen from Mars when I said Colorado College. 
Yeah, you muted the entire punchline of that joke. We did? Nicholas. Oh. Oh, well, it was a a very good joke. Yeah. Lance Leipold's definitely the name of a somebody everyone knows the name of, but nobody knows. You you just kind of assume that, like, he has friends, but your friends aren't his friends. And then he just lives alone in a cave, but, like, is in a lot of public spaces where they announce his name, but no one knows a darn thing about him because they just outsource their knowledge of him. Just, it's not, it's not a real person. Like, you ask him where he lives and he says he lives on Main Street and you're like, yeah, like, liar. And you ask him what kind of car he drives and he's like a 2012 Chevy Impala and you're like, again, not a real person. That is one year off from my exact car. One year off from my exact car. What do you drive? An 11. Me too! <laughs> Lit. Okay. Um, Justin and I drive the same vehicle. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, Lance Leipold has the kind of name that makes you wonder if you're in the Truman Show. <laughs> Enough said. Who's next? Next up, uh, a person who's there mostly because of his name, Jeff Trailer, the head coach of UTSA, has got a really good thing up and running there in San Antonio, one of the top group of five teams for multiple seasons in a row now. His name has been at the fringes of Nebraska's uh, head coaching search. If we want to recruit the Texas area, this is the guy we hire for that, that pipeline we lost in the Big 12. Nobody's really taking him seriously yet, but his name is Jeff Trailer, and he is from San Antonio, Texas. You know, no notes. It's so outside the possibility. What do you think of the name, Nikki? Jeff Trailer. Perfect. Honestly. It's a head football coach kind of name. Yeah, and also, again, all of the bad pun shirts would actually be, like, funny or at the very least so bad that they're good if that makes sense additionally i feel like if that that was the name of the head coach i might get bullied less at the fairway in iowa that's true because you wouldn't have to hear the frost memes or the rule memes yeah or the lance leipold makes you wonder if the truman show is real memes i'm starting this get that on a t-shirt Jim Carrey's face with Lance Leipold's name. That's all you need. <laughs> just the nick of time merch. Woo! I can, I can just see it now. The, the bone nerd at his first home game says a sign that says, Welcome to the trailer park. Yo! Not the worst. Dude, he's got to go on Will Compton's podcast, right? <laughs> the one they do in a trailer. I guess it's in a bus, but it's yeah. really like, but yeah, like, I, 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 I just, it won't happen. That's no. the only thing. And if it does, this state will melt down and murder Trev Alberts in that order. And the thing is, this would not be a bad hire. At all. No, I don't, you're not wrong, but it won't happen because the state doesn't have the kind of patience for a man from San Antonio named Trailer. We have been hoodwinked and bamboozled before. We shall not be again. I'm not saying that's the actual case here. I am saying that's the mentality. If somebody did try to sell you something and their introduction was, I'm Jeff Trailer from San Antonio, you're tuning out anything that comes after that. Unless I'm in desperate need of a used car that will break down in a hundred miles. <laughs> this name gives me serious, sketchy bail bondsman vibes. Yeah, he feels like a Better Call Saul commercial. Um. Alright, man. Who's next? Last on the list I had, not the funniest name, but you can work with it, is Gary Patterson former TCU head coach who's now an assistant coach at Texas kind of stopped coaching because he didn't like NIL in the transfer portal, but had a good thing going at TCU for a long time there. His name has been floated around as a 
a thing to tack on to the end of the list of coaching candidates. I don't see it happening at all, but I have read his name in like four to five articles and uh, he's a, he's a weirdo. And sometimes you just need to hire somebody weird and they know how to fix Nebraska. Like he knows where to look that no one else is weird enough to look. I dig it. I dig it. It won't happen. It will not. Um, if it does, I will eat this hat. Uh, this hat that I am wearing that says Tom Osborne. Justin's hat also says Tom Osborne. And that's an excellent segue because my contender is none other than Tom Osborne, 85 year old, three time national champion. Tom Osborne legitimately being discussed on the message boards, which prompted me to say, and a thing I genuinely believe, any any actual political content aside, it has gotten to QAnon levels of conspiracy inside Nebraska. It is truly that level of like, oh my god, the message board post, I don't know who's familiar with this. I don't know if you saw this, Justin. I the saw you sent it to me. Well, uh, did I send it to you? Yeah, yes. the message board post alleges, let me look this up. This is some, like, some top tier shit posting that people legitimately took seriously. Let me find this. Gotta scroll past the photo of RG3. Gotta scroll, here we go, here we go. Message from Message Board Genius's Twitter. <laughs> Great account. Ghostbusters07, who has a buff Yoda uh, profile picture, and the tag on Red Sea Scrolls, well-known member. I don't know what to say who told me this, or I don't want to say who told me this for fear of getting them in serious hot water. But let's just say if anyone is going to know, it's this guy. Impeccable sourcing. (laughs) Top-tier sourcing already. So apparently, Tom Osborne is fed up with how poorly our searches have gone. He knows that at a place like Nebraska, we should be able to do better. So he's just going to take matters into his own hands. Everything up until this point seems somewhat reasonable. I could totally see 85-year-old Tom Osborne saying, I don't trust anyone to do this search, and I care a lot about this football team. I am going to insert myself into the matter. Then this gentleman, Ghostgers07, with a Yoda buff Yoda profile picture, who is a well-known member of the Red Sea Scrolls online board, says he's taking over as head coach just like his stint as athletic director with a three-year plan to personally mentor Mickey Joseph as his next head coach. Don't shoot the messenger. But Trev did say we would be blown away. What the hell? What the hell? How? I'm sorry. This, if this is not a shit post, I genuinely think this person should be exiled from the state of Nebraska. You have to live in Iowa now. I don't make the rules. This is ridiculous. We can't have this within our borders. This person should be treated like, like the first COVID person in a COVID patient in America. We should hazmat suit up to interact with this man and we should quarantine him deep, deep, deep in UNMC. Because if you genuinely believe this, I think you have brain worms. Like, and the thing is, people discussed it as, like, it was serious, and people were like, well, I would have concerns about an 85-year-old head coach. Yeah, no shit! No shit! Have you seen Tom Osborne lately? That people were, like, taking it seriously. Like, what, are you gonna give him a two-year contract? Because he won't live to see the end of it. (laughs) This... I, I choose to look at that original post as nothing other than a shit post. I believe no. I will go crazy if viewing it any other way. 
But I do remember during the Bow years, there being a legitimate clamoring from some fans for Osborne to take the reins for a few years until we figure out what's going on. And then... Then do a handpicked successor 2.0 that we surely wouldn't treat like Frank Solich again. So this is not, it's outside the realm of any reasonable possibility. No. But it's not outside the realm of the fan base's thought bubbles. And that's why, like, I feel like sometimes on this podcast I'm frustrated with myself for having to tell you so frequently, like, Oh, the fan base wouldn't like that. The fan base wouldn't react super well to that. The fan base, and you always say the fan base doesn't know what's good for them. In my mind, this is proof you're absolutely right. But yeah. All right. On to our last contestant. The man who said he was given the best interview for the job. Mickey. Tiberius Joseph. If that was his actual middle name, I'd be floored. I'd give him the job off rip. I don't know. What is his actual middle name? Do you know? Uh, does it, is it on Wikiped? It is not. I choose to believe he does not have one. It just doesn't exist. Do you think his Christian first name is Mickey? <laughs> if, if Wikiped is to be believed, yes. I don't, I would say not, though. That seems like a nickname. No. I will also say, this would not, as many people say, this would not be Mickey Joseph's first head coaching job. Do you, without looking at the Wikipedia, know what his first head coaching job was? It was some small school, wasn't it? Like Little Littleton or something like that? That's incredibly close. It was Langston, Oklahoma. Oh. Langston. The University of Langston. And he did pretty bad there, if I remember correctly. He did real bad. Bad enough that he was out of coaching for a little bit. I have found Mickey Joseph's real name. What is it? Robert Joseph Jr. Wow. Bobby. Bob. Bobby Joe. Bob McJoe. Bobby Joe Jr. How do we feel about Bobby? Justin, I mean, we've done a lot on Bobby. That's just his name in my mind, by the way. That's just what it is now. Yeah. Uh, how, How do we feel about Bobby's chances? We've talked a lot about him on this pod. I would say if, in fact, Dave Doran is a guaranteed yes, should you offer him, that should Eliminate Mickey from head coaching consideration. He has already said him and Alberts have not discussed the permanent job and nothing in his press conferences have signaled that he believes he is in line to be the next coach. That being said, uh, the fan base just cannot stop being enamored with him and with the idea that, uh, having him as head coach, but with only to save money for the best assistance possible is an appealing idea and the best we can do, I would push back on that for several reasons. One, college football is not the NFL. Uh, you can't, it's a lot harder to CEO your way with the good assistant coach staff. I mean, in the yep. NFL, you can hire a guy off your couch because you're Jim Irsay and you're so high on prescription painkillers that you just want to call up one of your drinking buddies to coach the Colts for and have him beat the Raiders and almost beat the Eagles the next week. Hi, Jeff Saturday. Because, uh, your, your assistants are just that well intact, having been proven at the NFL level. College needs somebody in charge. You know, I think assistant coaches matter a lot. They, but just having a figurehead and assistant coaches is not really a good plan to build up what we have now. I think you need everything, every box checked, including head coach. And I don't think Mickey checks that box. And especially with the names these people are throwing out for assistant coaches. The most popular one I've seen has been Mickey, but bringing his brother, Vance Joseph, with him as DC. 
Vance Joseph is currently the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, who just gave up 38 on Monday Night Football from Mexico City. Vance Joseph was a terrible head coach of the Denver Broncos and uh, has not coached in college since 2004 at Bowling Green, a job he got because he was more or less fired from Colorado for sexual misconduct allegations. If this is the best we can do for assistant coach by saving money and being cheap with Mickey, no. Please no. Uh, I would much rather have somebody who's not that expensive and not tied to a staff at his current job because he doesn't have one like Bronco Mendenhall. I don't think he would be that expensive, and I think he would still have plenty to hire assistants seeing that uh, he doesn't have his guys he's bringing with him. If that's the strength of Mickey, there are people who have that strength a lot better. Not even, not to mention Matt Rule, who he does have a lot of good assistance from his times at Baylor, NFL, and uh, Temple, but he's not tied to them. He has no incentive to bring them with him to his new job, seeing that he's not coming from a job. Those are two better options than Mickey and the best assistance money can buy. So even though I don't think Mickey's a realistic option, even though there was a lot of smoke about that earlier this week, I still don't see it happening. And I just wanted to have anybody who thinks that Mickey and the best assistance money can buy is the smart move to like hear some logic and get their brain checked a bit. Yep. Nope. I agree. There are a lot of people in this state with brain worms. If we've learned anything from this state, brain worms. Yeah. Major brain worm vibes. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've said it a million times. I'll say it a million more. Listen, man. I just don't think he's done enough to prove that he can get the job done. And he did have the audition. And if he had rocked the audition, I was very willing to say, make Mickey head coach for life. And my concern is... I think everyone's concern should be that, like, if Mickey wins, and this is a segue, everyone look at our sexy, sexy segue, if Mickey wins on Friday, the entire Mickey crowd will clamor for Mickey once again. I just don't like it, man. I just don't like it. It's incredibly frustrating how fickle (laughs) the entire fan base is. And I, I don't know. Yeah. And with the whole thing of him and assistants, uh, his best strength has been as an assistant coach. If you can keep him on the staff for whoever the next hire is, that would go a long way into that hire having a start of a successful tenure there. And, uh, I don't see him leaving because I don't know if anyone would want him as a head coaching job. I believe that Arizona State thing to have been nothing more than agent smoke. Arizona State is not the smartest when it comes to coach hires, but they don't want our leftovers. Hiring a two-win head coach would make less than no sense for any program in the country. Yep. So I don't see him being a shoe-in for a head coach anywhere but here. And if the best we can do is somebody who we still have like, fond memories of because they beat Indiana and Rutgers, like if the schedule is arranged differently... And you had Minnesota, Michigan right off the bat. We're not talking about him like this at all. No. Nope. It was a, it was a very, very small brief glimmer for the man. Um, that being said, I really want to be Iowa. We are the one thing standing between them and a Big Ten West crown that should not be them. It'd be great to beat them. I think we can. This Iowa team is Ass. Absolutely ass. They play like death on a goddamn Trisket. And like, they, have they gotten better? Justin's gonna try and temper my like super bullish opinion. Yes, they have gotten better. I see your facial expressions on the Zoom, sir. But like, they sucked. They have one of the worst defenses in the country. If Casey and Palmer can get it going, on paper, the only thing you not need to do is not get in their way and establish the run just enough to make Iowa know they can't cover a pass every damn throw. If I don't trust Mickey to do that, I do trust Whipple to do that. 
I think if we lose tomorrow, you got to fire the whole damn staff and start over. I don't want any holdovers. Mickey can be the recruiting specialist for all I care if he's truly that magic. But I don't know. It's frustrating. Okay. Iowa has not... There have been like two to three wins in the recent stretch. They've won by accident. But that just means they've got you right where they want you all along. Minnesota, they couldn't do jack on offense, which I believe you meant instead of defense. And then when Minnesota was driving late to take to tie or take the lead, they fumble. Iowa gets it, runs it all the way back, gets the game-winning field goal. Iowa knows what it's doing, and we don't. We may think, oh, we'll just pass, we'll keep the defense on their toes and we'll just watch their offense sputter and sputter and sputter. That's what they want you to do. I think that, damn, we switch places somewhat frequently on this podcast, but this is a big flip-flop because I have been very down on this team for a really long time. I have not even wanted to talk about positives, and then the week I'm like, huh, maybe maybe everything actually lines up here. Justin's like, we're going to get shit-kicked, which probably means we're going to get shit-kicked. And, like, listen, here's the thing. It's Iowa. We're not going to get shit-kicked, but I do, I do see a very like realistic scenario in which they do just keep us right where they want us the entire time. And, you know, Oh my God. Hey, we have a logo now. What? Nikki got bored while we were on the podcast and created us a logo. Would you like to see it, Justin? Is, is I like that... our logo on Spotify a lot, but I think that this is an interesting, fresh. Is, fresh is it take. better than just a uh, agency bold faced font on a red background? I don't know that it is better than agency <laughs> bold font on a red background, but check your check your texts, man. I did describe you as the sports podcast. We are the sports podcast. <laughs> We're definitely a podcast about sports, not about name quality. Certainly actually not good. Nebraska QAnon. Isn't that actually a pretty damn good podcast logo? Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. That's really good. Where did you make this? Canva? What is a Canva? It's like a very, like, it's a lovely little website that makes you, that gives you nice things, but like, like they give you pre-made templates. But then you just take all of the parts of the pre-made template. You make something nice. I like that it says the sports podcast. I really do. It's good <laughs> shit. So yeah, I back to back to Iowa Hate Week, and I do think I was really down on this Iowa Hate Week. And then Justin pointed out it is always fun to beat Iowa, and I was basically like, "Yeah, fuck Iowa." Ah, uh, God, it would feel so good to win this game, like. Yeah, you really won this game since we were freshmen in high school. And this is the chance to do it. Yeah, because I was, their offense is bad, but it's gotten better in the sense that it is no longer turning the ball over at an insane rate. It will yeah. do what it needs to not mess it up and keep them around. But if we can get one, we can capitalize on, if we can score 20 points, we'll win. Uh, dude, you gotta think we can. Casey and Palmer, if we play like we did in the Purdue game, I don't buy that this defense is better than Purdue's. <laughs> Purdue's got a terrible defense. Purdue let Iowa pass all over them. That's true. But I don't know. I don't know. I just... And, and this game is always close for whatever weird reason. I will say I wish we had this at home. Oh, dude, if we had this at home, I'd feel a lot better about it. But we got to wave at those damn kids in the hospital. Nicholas. What? I'm allowed to be mad at the Kinnick wave. It's Iowa hate week. I'm not mad at the kids. I'm mad at the people waving. I also wish it was at home just, like, because if we won, I want Trev Alberts to go out to midfield Vince McMahon style and then just (laughs) (laughs) say, like, how a, give up a hand for Nikki Joseph. And then crowd goes crazy. That was a w- great win, wasn't it? Well, I'm happy to announce that he will be sticking around on our staff for next year for our <laughs> new head coach, Matt Rule. 
and then the tunnel lights up with that red fire graphic and the slightly husky like mid-40s man just jogs out while the John Cena theme song plays. He's so good. I don't know if you I don't know if you saw this meme of Biden and John Fetterman being like uh <laughs> being like Vince McMahon and one of his wrestlers. Well, is there anything left to discuss, Justin? Well, we have six minutes. We could <laughs> we could find something. We can banter. Um. So now, so you used to sit in the press box. Yes. For Husker games, I have now experienced a uh, a game largely from the sixth floor, although partially from the Ace Hardware on Twenty Seventh Street because I had to buy batteries. Um. Look. Yes, PN. They don't have extra batteries on deck. No, they needed specific lithium batteries that they forgot to pack. So I had to hop into a rented BMW and drive halfway across town to pick up lithium ion batteries. You couldn't just go puff that shit? That's kind of what I thought. Like, we should be able to Instacart this, right? But no, that's what they had me for, man. I was the Instacart. But yeah, it was, it was super fun. Really thankful for the opportunity. Very exciting stuff. Uh, but I am curious if you feel like, so you've sat in the box and you have sat in the student section. I'm curious if you get a different feel for the game. Oh, absolutely. If you are in the box and how that affects, cause I could totally, like, you feel separate from the fans. You feel separate from, you feel like you're watching the train wreck happen. Like when I watched Wisconsin put up that last score. I felt really removed from it and was just like, oh, man. Like, but it was a totally different vibe, and I'm curious if you have thoughts about that. Oh, oh, I I agree. It's I think part of it is because of, of what my job was last year was to, like, seriously analyze the game. I was thinking of it in a completely different way. I was, like, <laughs> having all these plays in my, like, in mind of, oh, this flipped the game this way. If this continues, this means this. This person's playing very well. This is something I want to write about post-game. So I'm constantly sculpting just various narratives around the game. Whereas when you're in the student section, you're very in the moment. You're like, this play is the most important thing that's ever happened. I am going to scream no matter what happens. That is just not a vibe at all. And plus, because I had to look at it from a bird's eye view, while I still wanted Nebraska to win... I was no longer as invested in just making sure I document what I see correctly. Right, yeah. And I do think that that shift is meaningful. And it's part of why I think that the media and fans have this disconnect. And it's not just true of Nebraska. It's true of all sports media. But, like, seeing it literally from that vantage made me realize that. And I'm curious, like, I think you traveled to a couple games and sat in a couple different other press boxes. What was that experience like? And was that different from Memorial or was that very similar? Uh, I guess it depends on each press box's vibe. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma's yeah. was a lot more cramped, a lot more people doing work, a lot less chatter than the Nebraska box, mm. which I guess makes sense in a way. Minnesota's was a lot more, I guess, professional quality. It seemed like more of a hotel suite up there than a press box type thing. So I guess it just depends on the vibe. And, uh, yeah. And plus last year I spent all of it like shit posting IRL with my friends. And this year when I go up there, I'm just there to watch the game, but I still have that old school vantage point of a, I'm just here to observe because you can't be cheering at people who cheer in a press box. They get the yeah. side eye. Yeah. Uh, are there ever people who cheer in the press box? I am, I just imagine that never happened. There are, uh, I think there are some people who aren't media who are there. Like there are just some old guys there occasionally who will like <laughs> say things like we and have verbal cheers and, and whatnot. I, I imagine they're not media. I've just never questioned their existence there. And there you do hear people drop wheeze a lot, which is something we're not supposed to do uh, in, in right. the box. So I think some of that type of cheering you'll hear a lot. You don't hear a lot of audible cheering. I think you'll hear more gasps and stuff when something shocking happens. Mm. 
That's interesting. But but like you can kind of hear some zest in some of the gasps that are like a that was an excited one because you wanted that uh-huh. to happen. Like in Indiana when they blocked the punt, I might have let out something like that because I just did not see that being in the cards. You let out a zesty gasp. I think it was a gasp with less more surprise than zest. Ah, uh, I think surprise is zest. Oh. I I would also I would also just say that like dude. It's Nebraska media. Like, there are people who we know aren't going to be homers. But I do think that it's like, I am not shocked that there are dudes in the press box saying we, right? Like, because we, on this podcast, say we in reference to the Huskers. I don't think that that, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it does, like, from a true, and this is a fan podcast, and we've always been clear that this is a fan podcast, but... I don't know. It's interesting. It was a totally different perspective because I've never really worked in, like, worked, worked in sports media. This is the most sports media thing I've ever done, this podcast, until this weekend. But it was just a very different vantage point. So I salute you and all of our other sports media troops. And uh we have less than a minute left. Always good to pod with you, Justin. Glad we could get this one in before we have an announcement. So... Yes. On, Thank you for the logo, Nikki, and for and for your witty repartee. Absolutely. All right. See you later, man. See you.